Are you using like an app or something on your phone? Or no, I'm just notes? using notes. I jotted some stuff down, some questions. Ah, okay. and so, uh, hey everybody, uh, this is Dan Talks, a podcast where I talk about stuff um, with my friend Paul Robinson, and uh, we're going to be exploring uh, certainty and doubt uh, on this episode. This is the first episode, still trying to figure stuff out, uh, not really feeling totally comfortable with all of this yet, but uh, uh, we're going to see how it goes. So... Um, so I guess I have a question that we can kind of start. I think the, the hope is that this is kind of more conversational. But So I'm, I'm 35 years old, and it seems that the older I get, the more I begin to doubt certain concepts. Hmm. Have you found that to be the same in, in your experience? Well, I'm 34, so I'm younger than you. Okay whole year that makes a big difference it does um so i'm just like more, i'm more naive probably um <clears throat> i think so yeah and i think that i i think the more the older i get i appreciate that more and um appreciate what not being certain and doubting more and um not trying to fight it as much as like Maybe earlier in my life, I would have been like, I need to know exactly what I believe and why I believe it and be able to point to, like, scripture or whatever. This is, like, why I believe this, but... Um, Do you... Are you able to... Because I don't think I'm... Or I haven't yet been able to identify why I'm maybe more comfortable now, but do you... <clears throat> Do you think that you're able to identify, or maybe if we even go back to when you were younger and you weren't as comfortable with doubt and you felt the need to, you know, point kind of at these maybe seemingly clear biblical texts or whatever, mm. can, can you identify why or what was going on that made you feel like you had to be certain or be clearer than you are now mm, that's a good question I don't know I think I like so I'm from Northern Ireland and Northern Ireland is like sort of the, the Bible belt of the UK okay. so it's quite it's very religious very conservative um, I, and I was brought up in the church so it, going to church was normal and just reading the Bible was normal and I, I you know I don't know who it was from whether it was from my mom or church but I just feel like you know you're told this is what is what is true and like I never talking about diet I never like wondered if God existed like I always was sure God existed and so like that that kind of framework I think just meant that I was I didn't question things it was just like you know there was there was no there's nothing one there's no one thing I can pick and say this is why um it's just kind of the culture maybe that I was brought up in um, and I think just, you know, I thought that we weren't encouraged to ask questions and we weren't encouraged to like, you know, wonder about things, but there were very definite answers to those questions. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I, I feel like just maybe just human nature just to want to be sure where things, you know. Yeah, it seems like there's a maybe a certain level of comfortability that is surrounding our need to be certain, or or maybe to say yeah. it differently, if I. <clears throat> If I were to doubt the stability of this chair that I'm sitting in right now, right, that would make me <laughs> far less comfortable and just, you know, plopping my fat ass down into it, right? right. <clears throat> but if I'm certain that it's going to hold uh, when I sit in it, that makes me feel a whole lot more comfortable. Right. And so I'm wondering how, how much just our own, and it's, you know, the, uh, the probably real cliche... Christianese of, you know, going out of our comfort zone, right? right? But I'm wondering if, if doubt, is something that makes us uncomfortable, yeah. and so, at least for me as an American, I, I don't, I mean, we're sitting in my house right now, and it's probably colder than it should be, right? Because I have the air it's conditioning fine. on, because. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I want, right. you know, I don't want to just be hot. So I'm wondering if that can in some ways be moved over to our belief structures or paradigms or whatever the right word is yeah. in, in how, we, how we relate to different topics, right? Whether we are comfortable with them or not. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting, like, the example of, like, a chair, because I'm assuming that almost 100% of the time that you've ever sat down in a chair, it's held you up. So you're making, you're making an assumption, maybe, every time you sit in a chair that it's stable, that it's right. not going to break, because of, like, your experiences with it. But still, you don't know for certain that the chair is going to hold you up. It's just an assumption based on, you know, your life experiences. <laughs> So maybe that's part of what it is, is um, your upbringing, you know, however we're brought up is, you know, we, we come, we come to assume it's true just because yeah. that's what we're yeah. told. And that's, you know, especially when I think of like Northern Ireland and a lot of people are brought up in, you know, you know you're either Protestant or you're Catholic. And so there's... Um, not everybody, obviously, but there's a, there's some communities where you're taught that the other side is, you know, evil or out to get your community, out to kind of um, break down your culture, your history. Um, and that's just the experience that you've been given from maybe your parents or from... Which is probably subversively political too, right? Going on over there. Yeah. Right? They oh, yeah. say, Protestants say Catholics are bad and Catholics say Protestants are bad maybe f from a religious standpoint, but it's also largely political, correct? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <clears throat> and it's, obviously, that's a massive generalization. Right. <laughs> most Protestants do not hear Catholic, Catholics, and most Catholics don't hear Protestants. Right. Um, but there are certain communities where you're just, you're, you're at, least, at the very least, told to be wary, and, um, and until you have an experience where you actually hang out with someone from right. a different perspective, right. You don't really. I don't think you really understand. Um, uh, and you know, schools in, in Northern Ireland are largely segregated. In that, Protestants go to one school, Catholics go to another, and so a lot of times you're you're not socializing with other kids. So yeah. It, yeah. you've got this kind of 
you just don't you, know, you just don't know you just don't know that's, that's it's, it's funny about the protestant and catholic divide even here in the states i was raised to in general think that catholics were not quote unquote saved right but there was always this uh, caveat that would be you know thrown into that I don't know how much of my family or extended family will ever listen to this but it was kind of a, a large assumption that most Catholics weren't Christians or saved but then there was always the caveat thrown in that well we think this one is right <laughs> because of certain things that they do sure. and <clears throat> And so I think for me, that's that's one thing that I'm beginning to doubt is this necessity to hold to one um, one stream of Christianity mm. that I, I think I was, I can't remember which other podcast I was listening to, but uh, I think it was Dan Koch who said something about uh, just that it's kind of silly that we <clears throat> put this huge difference between us and Catholics and maybe Eastern Orthodox right. and that, you know, we're all, yes, we all may be swimming in these kind of smaller currents within that same stream, right? Yeah. But we're still, we're still within that same river, right. which I don't know why that makes us so uncomfortable because even within Protestantism, which is, I guess, the camp that I would fall in, even there we're still having different streams and we're not necessarily freaking out about it, yeah. right? We're, we've got our Presbyterians and our Baptists and our Methodists and our Lutherans, et cetera, et cetera. And so why, and I, I don't necessarily agree with everything that each of those denominations does, so why am I, or... or, or Historically speaking, as I was being brought up, I've I've wondered why I've been so um, just afraid to uh, feel. Uh, I guess I don't really know what I'm trying to say. Is uh, that I was so concerned with the certainty of my specific brand of Christianity? I guess. Right. But if you remember what you were saying, let's go back to that because I kind of interrupted and we kind of went off of a, on a, I don't on a tangent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Bring you back. No, go ahead. Uh, well, just like, the whole like, denomination thing, I think there's definitely a certain amount of psychology involved there where if you belong to a certain denomination, everyone gets behind certain beliefs and it, it makes you feel better. Be part. I mean, I think it's good to be part of a community because it does it. It makes you feel better, and I think that's that, that's not a bad thing in itself. But I think sometimes that it can, because you're so associated with those other people, you can be like afraid of another stream of Christianity that has maybe different ideas yeah. or someone who, you know, you know, claims to my friend Seth is a Christian who comes up a Christian mystic. Okay. And so he's going to hell, definitely. Right? <laughs> yeah, definitely, of course he is. Right. <laughs> so people will like, you know, look at some of his beliefs and be sort of like, well, that's, you have to be very, very careful about that. Right. Um, but I would also look at someone like, you know, Mark Driscoll, <laughs> someone really like, like that, and I would be like, you have to be careful with some of his beliefs. Right. right. 
Um, I thought he did stuff perfectly. Um, I mean, he's done a lot of good <laughs> stuff, I think. I mean, I'm not, I've never really read any of his stuff. You're going to know getting blocked by... I don't follow him, so okay. it's okay. I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. I, th- I think there's definitely a... We just have to be sort of respectful and... Realize, yeah, just realize people come from different experiences and not not judge anyone for their beliefs, but just sort of ask, well, where, where do those beliefs come from? What, yeah. what has shaped those? Just to understand them, not to break them down or anything like that. Yeah, it's it's funny that it seems... Um, actually, I lost my train of thought, so I'm going to just go on to another question. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so we've talked a bit about experiences. I had a cat trying to jump up on my lap. I think that's why I was distracted. Um, so it, it seems that our belief structures are largely experiential and that especially if, if we think kind of maybe more narrowly about doubt and certainty, right? They seem to be largely experiential. Mm. And so I would be interested to know, and I've been trying to think through this myself, both kind of in your, I keep, I keep wanting to say historically, but so as you, as you were growing up, right, who, who or what was shaping both your doubt and your certainty and then who have you found now is shaping your doubt or, you know, shaping, I guess, your comfortability with right. having doubt right. and who is shaping your, um, when, when you feel certain about something, right, who is, who or what is helping shape that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I think my mom was a big influence, you know, my, my father passed away when I was 11. Okay. So before that, I don't have a lot of memory of, I mean, I have a memory of church and being part of church and having friends there and really loving it. Um, but I feel like my mom obviously had a bit more of an influence just because, you know, 11 years old right. to like right. teenage years. <clears throat> Those are kind of formative years. And um, so definitely her and like, just being part of a church and being part of a like my my whole family are a very Christian. There's a you know very Presbyterian, okay. very um, you know committed to church. Like and just having that experience, it was it wasn't even there was a question about like being certain or doubt. It was just I was certain, and mm. um, it wasn't really until I. Well, know, why do you, why let's stop there. Yeah. Why what you say I was certain. Just because I, that's, I was brought up in the okay. church, okay, and I, yeah, I had no reason to not believe, okay, um, which I don't think is a good thing because I think you, you, you should challenge those things. You know, like I don't think you should just take everything as at face value. Yeah, it's funny to I guess interrupt you. I um, so for those that are listening and don't know, my I guess job right now is I teach uh, philosophy. And religion classes at uh, at some local colleges in Michigan, and when I do my section on metaphysics, I talk about I spend a, a bit of time talking about how our beliefs are formed, and and I use 
um, instances of, you know, when, so I have a seven-year-old and she uh, believes in Santa Claus still. I don't know if she should still at seven or not, but... What do you mean by that? <laughs> uh, she, she thinks he lives in the North Pole and, and yeah. brings presents and so... Um, of course. Oh. <laughs> Why wouldn't you believe that? Yeah, so... Uh, but I think in large part, the reason that she believes that is because her mom and I have, have not squashed that belief yet. Uh, and so, you know, I talk about in my, in my metaphysics section, I talk about that the beliefs that we have, you know, from our family of origin or our sequence of environments in which we were raised, right, those, are, those largely affect how we think now, right, whether we've decided to kind of go with those beliefs or push back against those but certainly you know my daughter doesn't have to question Santa's existence right now right because she has no reason to she every Christmas uh, Santa brings her a present we just do I, I want to get some of the credit so Santa doesn't bring all the presents but he brings one but he keeps bringing her a present so she doesn't right. have anything to to quite to you know to, to doubt that belief and so or if we you know, th- that's a more tame version. In some of my previous classes, I used um, kind of a, a, a more tragic or sad example. You know, I, I showed pictures of kids who were, you know, part of, uh, you know, neo-Nazi or KKK groups that, you know, they these little white kids, you know, who I, I would assume had no idea what's really going on, right, are right? uh, giving the Heil Hitler sign or... Or wearing a little, you know, white um, um, robe or, or hood, and you know, the the likelihood, perhaps, of them affirming those ridiculous beliefs in the future uh, may be pretty plausible, being that if that's the environment that they're being raised in, and they don't have the framework or or whatever to kind of push back against that and ask those mm-hmm. questions, <laughs> they may end up being our next generation of uh, you know KKK members. Yeah. Or, or again, to do more tame, you know, my my daughter for as long as I kind of uh, encourage that continued belief, she's going to keep thinking that Santa Claus exists. Right. So, and so I think that there is a parallel between stuff like that and what we experience in church, whether it's um, you know, what the gospel is, what the Bible is, who or what God is, um, and then all all the derivatives of that. So, anyways, uh, so talk talk more about um, again your your experience and who or what has shaped that. Yeah. Well, I'm just going back to what you said about um, like Ku Klux Klan, you know, Nazis and stuff like that. Like even like something like the Westboro Baptist Church. <laughs> It's like it's not right. just a church; it's a family. Right. And so, it, you know, having any doubts about certain beliefs, there's a huge cost to that. Right. Because you could be, you might have to leave your family and right. you're on your yeah. own. So, I think there's also a fear that you know if we bring up doubts or bring up questions, then, you know, other people who maybe aren't comfortable with their own doubts are going to kind of shut that down as right. quickly as possible right. because they have their own things, and so that's why. You know, again, like we shouldn't judge. We we shouldn't judge. We should like try to understand right. where they're coming from, and hopefully, 
you know, maybe influenced that way, but I just don't think it's helpful to, you know, obviously there's, there's definitely things that are wrong and, you know, we have to speak up against those. Um, but if we are aware of where people's beliefs come from, I think that helps hugely in like, in kind of so yeah, so I keep interrupting you, but I think no, that's fine. There's uh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I because I, I want to explore that too. I think um, so. There are things that I think that we would both agree with are are definitely wrong, right? Whether they're um, Let's just stick ethically, right? There, there are certain things that are ethically wrong. Like we, we would say, uh, it's not uh, appropriate to, you know, torture a baby for fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, and and that's that's going to be a, a much more um, intense issue than, uh, let's say, we disagree on the Lord's Supper, right? Right. So, but. But let's or let's say that you think it's wrong to torture a baby, and you think that um, uh, maybe let's talk about baptism, right? So you, you think you think it's wrong to torture babies, and you think that maybe they should only or, or infants should be baptized, and I think that it's okay to torture a baby, and I you know, affirm this thing called believer's baptism, right? So, right? so we've got disagreements on both, right? One seems kind of petty and silly. One seems like, oh my word, this is a huge and terrible issue, right? right. How, do you, how do you navigate? And again, those are probably really, those are really big extremes. Sure. But how, how do you navigate interacting with, again, let's just say me, right? Who right. would, who would say, well, I think it's okay to torture the baby, and, right. and I think you should only be baptized after a profession of faith, right? Right. You're you're not holding either of those positions. One of them, it seems like, oh my gosh, I should really stand up and say this is terrible. You can't do this. Right. And when I would say, you know, one, you could also say, well, okay, whatever, right? You can. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I'm not that concerned about baptism, yeah. right? So how, how do you how do you navigate that? Yeah. That's... If you know, because I don't. <laughs> That's a man. I don't think I. I think. I mean, those are kind of very strange beliefs to have together. Like, if you believe that you can, you should, it's okay to torture babies. <laughs> but I have very, you know, I have very strong views on baptism. <laughs> you know, it's, there's a very, you know, I don't feel like someone who would have that, you know, view about babies really cares much about baptism. Yeah. But, <laughs> probably not. But something like, yeah, something like baptism on a personal level, you know, I don't, I don't care what your views are on baptism. Like, it, it, it means, very little to me as far as like my experience with you as a person, as a friend, as a family member, whoever. Um, um, but obviously, people have very strong you know, opinions of right. what's biblical, what's not biblical, and so that's and that's okay. I think it's fine. Um, something like whether it's okay to torture a baby. That's there's obviously like very big ethical questions, but more importantly that someone who's vulnerable that we should be protecting and um, I think we can follow this idea of well we have to understand people's beliefs understand where they're coming from and that to me is the same thing as 
people can just do whatever they like. Right. Which is obviously not the case. Right. You know, so I think first and foremost, it's about protecting someone who is vulnerable, who okay. cannot, <clears throat> has not got the ability or capacity right. to argue right. or fight for themselves. That's, that should be the priority over and beyond beliefs. And I guess that comes back to the experience of beliefs as well a little bit. Because, yeah, and if there's someone from another denomination or different, even religious faith, who is experiencing Jesus in a way that lots of Christians aren't, I'm intrigued by that. And I want to know why they're experiencing peace and yeah. hope, yeah. all these things that yeah. the Bible talks about. So I think experience is really important. And I don't know, maybe there's, there's definitely part of me that is fights against that because fights against if, what like experience okay. being important because if you know if I'm going through something hard I want to like cling on to those like God is good right. God right. loves me right. but maybe it's actually more helpful if I kind of doubt that yeah. in that moment and say yeah. well actually I don't think God does love me right. um, and people will hear that and maybe get scared but right. <laughs> I can imagine that's people freaking out right yeah. now as they're listening to that but that's not like that's not where I want to be right. I, I don't want to be in a place where I can just like God doesn't care but to get to that place of real peace and hope and yeah. in Jesus and God and whoever and whatever your beliefs are and I, I've had I've personally at least had to dark things yeah. to kind of you know, the, the way of deconstruction but reconstruction as well yeah so so um, <clears throat> explore again why why you think it's okay or, or why it's good for you to be open to that doubt in that situation um, I think it's a lot to do with being genuine yeah. with what's going on you know and if you've ever been part of a church at least you know in the western world that's the experience I've ever had of church really you know there, there's a I think there's a pressure on you to, to come in every Sunday and smile <laughs> and look good and right. I remember going to church recently not recently like, like a year or so ago and the person told me to smile as I was coming in. <laughs> like, so then some, you, you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. I do. So a, and then you got to that part where someone tells Larry to smile or something like that and he like doesn't react well to it. <laughs> so that's what I was feeling inside. I was like, don't tell me to smile. Right, right. Like you don't, you don't know what I'm going right, through. You don't know right. what anyone's actually experiencing right now. You know, you know, what if I just turn around and say, well, actually, you know, someone supposed to me has died. Right. How is that going to... Yeah. Yeah. You're going to realize, okay. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, it's sort of lost, forgot your question. Well, no, so it's funny though, because I, you know, in, in regards to that, my wife and I, we see a, a couple's therapist and he was telling us a story about <clears throat> this uh, woman who had lost her son and it was at the funeral home and some lady, I think from her church or whatever, had gone up to her and just said, you know, be strong, right? And the lady, <laughs> and he, he was at this, I think I think he actually officiated this funeral because he was a former pastor, this uh, this therapist. And, and he said that 
kind of above the you know the dull roar that happens in a funeral home because there's all kinds of people in there and they're all whispering and that turns into a dull roar that she kind of above the roar uh, she yelled out damn it i can't be strong right <laughs> yeah. and it's funny how uh it does seem that we are so much uh again uncomfortable with uh what might be going on in our lives negatively and and again maybe that's tied to because oh if i'm going through something really crappy then i may ask does does god love me right Right. is he really out there right the is, is he looking out for me? And so if I can just try to mask that or almost force it upon you to say, oh, just smile, Paul. It's, you know, it doesn't matter what, you know, your wife may have just died. It doesn't matter. Smile, right? Because God right. loves you. And I think uh, to me that is probably, if I'm saying that to you, right, and Paul's wife is not dead, but if I were to say that to know. him, right, yeah, as far as we know, I'm assuming where she's not. I spoke to her at 10 minutes ago, so. <laughs> Let's text her and find out. Okay. Uh, but if I'm saying that to him, I think that that's probably more about me and how right. I'm feeling and, and right. my level of comfort. If you walk in and you're feeling totally crappy and your head's down and, and you're not smiling or you're not, you know, maybe you're normal self then that makes me uncomfortable right <laughs> so okay so so the next question though that that I was thinking about while you were talking is that you were talking about being genuine and that's something that I've been thinking through a lot too this idea of honesty and transparency and, and, and being genuine with just kind of life in, in general and, and the way we're thinking and, and trying to process stuff but but how would you respond to someone that would say uh, truth and you know maybe what they would probably be meaning by that is like biblical truth right, right. biblical truth trumps being genuine or or biblical truth trumps doubt or uh, biblical truth trumps your transparency and just saying man I'm, I'm struggling with yeah. X belief right what would yeah. you how, how would you respond to somebody like that yeah, anytime it comes to like questions of b- biblical truth, I mean, as we've talked about already, like just so many denominations. So like, what is biblical truth? Like, right. who, who gets to decide what? I do. <laughs> well, then if you do, then we're fine. We'll just go to you. See my podcast for <laughs> biblical truth. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah, so what I think my, the Bible says about something you might disagree with. Right. And, you know, vice versa. And so... We have to. I think we have to be open to the idea that not everyone holds the same biblical truth. Um, and but even if we did, even if everyone was able to say, okay, everyone believes the Bible as it is, and you know, we're all agreed on everything. That doesn't take away from your experience. It doesn't. It doesn't magically make you feel better. And it's okay. It's okay to mourn. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to you know, doubt. And I think this idea of, you know, we have this idea that doubt is the opposite of faith. Okay, yeah. Which which I think is not true and right. unhelpful. Right. Um, so seeing doubt as part of faith, seeing it as, like, necessary for faith um, is really crucial. And I think that's why a lot of people are turned away from the church because 
it is a lot of it is about self-help makes you feel like be happy you know the kind of prosperity gospel sort of idea of God wants you to thrive God, God wants you to be rich um I wish he'd really help out with that. <laughs> right. There's nothing, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being rich. There's right. nothing wrong with being happy. Um, that's amazing. And I think everyone wants to feel some sort of peace and hope. But, you know, and the, you know when you look at the Bible, like, when you read the Bible, the characters in there aren't these people who have it all figured out, who are always happy, who trust, like, the disciples, you know, deserted Jesus when he needed them the most. Um, at least most of them did. And, you know, they didn't believe him what he was talking about. He didn't understand what he was getting at. So, you know, if Jesus' disciples messed it up so much, you know, Jesus' own words, then we're going to do the same. And so, right. um, for me, the Bible just is a way of, you know, looking at life and being able to say, you know what, I don't have it all figured out and I'm on a journey and there are people who, you know, who I surround myself with who are further along than me and who can, you know, encourage me. And, um, and that's not to say the Bible isn't full of things that should be helpful to us. And there are truths in the Bible. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, starting off there, at least for me in a way, yeah. I mean, there's, again, whole experience thing. There are, right. there are people out there who are thriving and who are alive and feel amazing and close to God because of their particular interpretation of the Bible. And it, and then sometimes I think, well, maybe I should be more, like, kind of <laughs> right. traditional or right. whatever. Right. But I don't know, my own experience, the doubts and those questions have actually helped me explore those themes in the Bible on a different level than I had before. If that makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> so... <clears throat> So you you mentioned, as is probably appropriate, since we're doing an episode on doubt and certainty. You mentioned doubt and certainty. So, I'm I think I'm interested to explore some things <clears throat> that you are currently doubting, mm. and to I don't know, just talk about those and think through those and and. Especially if it's something that you felt a whole lot more certain about and feel a whole lot less certain about it now, yeah. right? Because, again, you'd said that certainty was a bit more the the norm for you kind of in, in your childhood yeah. and, and maybe less now. So what I'm assuming that that means is that there are beliefs that you had in, when you were a child or a teenager or whatever that as you know a 34 year old adult you you may you may still have them right but you may right. be much more open to saying oh, I'm you know not entirely sure or convinced or whatever mm-hmm. so so what are because I'm, I'm again I'm trying to think through some of the things that I'm kind of doubting and again it's all it's all experiential I think it's just you know what's kind of flying in my face right now as far as what's going on around me and my life and, and um, what are my, you know, hot button issues or whatever. Yeah. So, so for you right now, what, what are, are some of those things? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, 
Yeah. I, First podcast with good questions. <laughs> pretty good. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> no podcast I've ever listened to has had good questions. Um, yeah, like what you said there about not that necessarily these are things that I don't believe in anymore. But for me, I think it's more about the... What's the word I'm trying to think of? So even like something like Jesus. Right. And <clears throat> Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. And we, you know, salvation is exclusively through Jesus. Right. <clears throat> so I don't doubt that. Yeah. But questions that I'm having right now are kind of more about, well, what if someone has an experience of Jesus that is outside of my, my framework, right. my understanding? Right. What if a Muslim has an experience of Jesus that is very real? Yeah. Not does they're not converted to Christianity, right, right. but they have an experience of Jesus right. that for them is very real. Maybe someone like me, a Christian, might doubt it because I've been brought up in this framework that Christianity is the only way. Right, right. Um, and there are people who experience you know healing and things like that who aren't Christians, and then there are Christians who you know don't experience healing. Right. So. I'm I'm kind of interested in this idea of the, the cosmic Christ. Okay. So and I I'm, I'm not an expert on it. I don't really know a lot. <laughs> so don't ask me any questions about what that means. <clears throat> because that that went totally over my head. So. Yeah. Well, it's like a Richard. I've heard Richard Rohr talk about okay. it. Okay. <clears throat> um, but so I, you know, sort of this idea that you know, obviously there's Jesus, the, the man, that was on Earth. But Jesus is bigger than that. Jesus Christ is is not just a man. Is like, right. And so. The questions I'm having are about who am I to say this is how you experience Jesus? Yeah. What if, you know, if someone comes to me and says I've had an experience that was spiritual and something happened and I can't quite put words to it, I'm not going to, like, you know, tell that person they're wrong <clears throat> right. just because they don't necessarily put the word Jesus to it. Right. So I'm becoming a bit more open to hearing people, you know, have stories that are I think different. It, it, even as you're talking, one of the, you know, I don't know if this is, um, what am I trying to say here? That I'm, I'm imagining all, I'm imagining all these responses that people are, are formulating, right? In right. their, in their heads as they're listening to this for the th- three people, <laughs> Do you mean me, you, and one other person that wives. listen to this yeah. Yeah. and our wives. So four, four listeners. Um, <clears throat> but so one of the, one of the responses that I would think someone would say would be, Oh, something something about it not that not being biblical, and I think though one of the and maybe someone someone that's way smarter than we are has answered this somewhere in some book or journal article somewhere. But I think one of the things that I'm struggling with right now is if I say that X proposition is biblical, mm-hmm. right? Uh, one, what does that necessarily mean? And, and two, what I'm calling the Bible or what I'm calling some biblical proposition, I think whether we want to you know, believe it or not or agree with it or not, is in the end 
a you know a grouping of books or letters or whatever that just some dudes decided <laughs> were really important for the church you know and so uh you know may, maybe we would not have been part of that group but in essence there is no reason to think that had we lived whatever a thousand fifteen hundred years ago right. that we couldn't have been part of that group that said oh man i really like this letter from paul and i think that should yeah. be included and so what is that and again i don't have an answer for this and it's yeah. probably something that i need to investigate but if i want to you know make put this, you know, stake in the ground and, and say that I, you know, believe the Bible is true or that I, you know, believe scripture is inspired or whatever it might be. What does that mean for me insofar as, you know, yes, that may be true, but, you know, the only reason that I may necessarily believe that scripture is inspired is because some group of important religious people at some point in history decided it was important right right? and again there may be some good answer for that and something about you know tradition and the way things have been uh you know if the the people that came right after the disciples and the people that came right after those people and the people Mm -hmm. that came right after those people right and kind of how that tradition has moved to kind of having some kind of authority. I don't, again, I don't know if that's the case or not, but as I sit here now, 2,000 years later, and I want to say that, uh, or, or I hear someone say, well, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? right? Okay, well, I'm not saying that that's not true. I'm just saying what what was the, the process for... You know, so what we're sitting here now and saying, yeah, that, that's true, right? right? In 2017, but what, what's been the process, you know, the historical process that's mm-hmm. led up to that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I'm just becoming less comfortable just kind of saying, well, it's, it's in the Bible, so therefore I must believe that it's true, right? right? Because I think if that's the case, then... You know, the likelihood is that I should also believe that the uh, sun revolves around the earth, right? right? I mean, I think it was Joshua that prayed to God to have the sun stand still, and yeah. uh, that would seem, and then, and then it did, right? So if, if that's true, and every every word of, of God is true, then that should seem to mean that the sun revolves around the earth, not, right. not the other way around. And um, and so, I'm, again, I'm sure there are really great answers to that too. And yeah. I'm probably making a, a big fool of myself right here. But again, I think for mm. me, part of it too is just trying to say, look, I'm not, there's a whole lot of things I'm not sure about. Yeah. And instead of trying to, I think that, I think philosophy has helped me out a lot there. And mm-hmm. instead of trying to just say that I'm sure about something and that maybe it's total bullshit that instead I can say, no, I'm not sure and, and feel a whole lot more free to be an agnostic on something or to suspend belief on something or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that I'm, when it comes to the Bible, I'm starting to see that, you know, the Bible is a collection of writings. Right. Like by lots and lots of different people 
spread over a long period of time, different cultures. Right. Like if we if we took like a bunch of writings today from from now and like say like the last five hundred six hundred right. years, they're gonna <laughs> right. there's gonna be a, a progression there. Right. At least like I think there will be a progression right. of thought of belief, how we approach God. Um, and so the, I, I, I'm starting to see the Bible as that. And so like you know, the idea of like the gods, how do you know if you've done enough for the gods? How do you know if you've sacrificed yeah. enough? Yeah. You just don't know where you stand with the gods. And yeah. then Leviticus comes along and it's, these are very specific rules of what you're supposed to do right. to know where you stand with God. And that's right. kind of like, for the time, that's so progressive. Right. And just sort of seeing that theme throughout the Bible I see ourselves now um, as just kind of continuing that journey. Yeah. Not that the Bible is, you know, incorrect, and but just that we are part of that journey. We're still part of that. Yeah. And we're exp- and, you know, what, what does it mean for the, the Word of God to be alive if it's not changing, if it's not yeah. growing? Yeah. Um, and again, that might be controversial to some people. Um, and I, I even when I say those things, like I'm almost like triggering myself, <laughs> right? <laughs> because I've, I've been brought up in a you know yeah. just in a Western church, and so all I can think of is what would my, what would my mom say right now, right? My, my mom would be so mad yeah. that I'm you know, I mean maybe not my mom, but you know like oh my gosh, what what are all the people that you know were part of my little Baptist church right. <laughs> growing up? Like what what right. are they? What are they thinking about what I'm saying right now? Yeah. So, and if you, if we're not comfortable with like questions and doubts, then these are going to make us uncomfortable. Yeah. Like that's, I think that's normal. Um, so yeah, and yeah, I mean, part of being in a progression, part of exploring these things is realizing that I don't have all the answers. I could be completely wrong. You know. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because it's it's exciting, I think, to explore these things and it's it's I don't know, it, it feels alive rather than just accepting things just because you're told that they're true. Yeah. You know. So like you know, and I even like the, the part in the Bible where it talks about nothing can separate us from the love of God. Well, if that includes everything, that means it doubts. Right, right. That means questions, right. it means doubting God's love. Yeah. You know, so um, those verses kind of help me feel okay about it, feel yeah. good, and feel like okay, it's okay to do this, it's okay to ask. Well, and I think again, one of the things that maybe is scary about not opening yourself up to questions is so uh, a friend of mine, a pretty close friend, we were having a discussion about philosophy and kind of the, the end result was he was really frustrated with the discipline of philosophy because it asked all these questions and made you doubt stuff. <laughs> and that was really frustrating to me because, uh, again, in part, uh, if, if you're unwilling to question, let's, again, let's say you're raised in a, in a family that supports you know the Ku Klux Klan, right? Right. If you're unwilling to question or doubt the uh, moral permissibility of, you know, discriminating and and being a bigot in regards to race, well, then you're just going to perpetuate that, right? Right. You're never going to be able to understand that it's an inappropriate belief system to have. 
And so now granted this person, you know, affirms kind of uh, traditional Protestant Christianity. So they, they probably feel that they're correct in their belief system. Right. right. But, but so would those who are raised in a Ku Klux Klan paradigm. Right. right? So, and so my, my frustration at the end of the conversation was that, okay, sure. You might be right. Yeah. And, and I would probably share a lot of the same conclusions that you would about life and faith and things like that. But you also might be wrong. Right. And if you're not willing, I mean, one of the things that I, in my, in my first class of every philosophy and religion class that I teach, I talk about these academic virtues and one of them is open-minded humility, right? We may be mm-hmm. really confident and we might even be well-studied in, in, you know, the, the conclusions that we're making, but there's still the chance that you're wrong about something, right? I, right? I feel pretty confident that God exists. I feel pretty confident that, you know, Jesus is the, the way, the truth, and the life. I feel confident that the Bible is a reliable thing for me to, uh, you know, use in my faith experience. But I might be wrong about that. Mm-hmm. And I think for me that, that I don't know, it... it I mean, granted, it may be circular, right? Because I, I, I feel, I feel comfortable to doubt that because it makes or it feels like it just makes me kind of trust God. Mm. Now, granted, then that maybe means I'm presupposing that God exists, right? So there may be all kinds of problems there too. But, um, but I think the idea of, uh, well, actually, there's there's a quote that I wanted to make sure I, sh- I shared from uh, from Oz Guinness. And he says, if ours, this is from his book, In Two Minds, The Dilemma of Doubt and How to Resolve It. He says, if ours is an examined faith, we should be unafraid to doubt. If doubt is eventually justified, we were not believing what clearly was not worth believing. But if doubt is answered, our faith has grown stronger. It knows God more certainly and it can enjoy God more deeply. And so again, if I'm if I'm raised in a Ku Klux Klan environment, and I'm doubting that that's a, a correct way to think, and my doubt is eventually justified, then I'm going to be able to believe uh, clearly that that was not worth believing, right? Or if I, um, you know, when I think it was Galileo who started to doubt <laughs> that. Uh, that it was the sun, you know, revolving around the earth, right? Well, he was able to doubt that, and although he got a lot of pushback from the Catholic Church on that, he was able to doubt that and and kind of progress our, you know, our understanding of science. That right. is what we adopt today, yeah. you know. So, yeah, and like, so well, we hadn't done that with slavery, or <laughs> right. any of those things in the Bible that they're biblical. Like, slavery is biblical, but what if? someone hadn't come along and said, maybe it's not what we think it means. Right. Maybe we need to rethink it. Right. Um, I don't know anybody, well, it's probably not true, but I don't know anybody who's a Christian today, or anyone who's not a Christian, who would think slavery is okay. Right. they sure you could find someone on Twitter. <laughs> Twitter, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but that was, like, it's biblical, it's in the Bible, so why don't we do it? And... You know, so I think that's why doubt is a good thing. It it raises questions right. and questions around justice and love and 
you know, our experience and yeah, it does. It furthers us and it helps us grow and it helps us be more fully alive. Yeah. And closer to God, closer to Jesus, all those things. And I think that's I mean, it's a good thing, right? I don't, maybe it's not a good thing. But. <laughs> well, and it, <clears throat> it's uh, maybe striking is too too strong of a word here, but it you would think that the fact that one of Jesus' disciples had the title of Doubting Thomas right. would, again, allow us to feel a bit more comfortable with the fact that doubt may be part of our, uh, again, our, our paradigm, right? And that we don't, that, you know, again, Jesus didn't say, well, uh, Thomas, I'm not sure that we can hang out anymore because right. you're, or are you serious that you actually wanted to stick, you know, your, uh, your hands in my, in my side or right. whatever, right? I can't, I can't, I can't handle that. I can't, sure. you know, that's, that's not something I'm willing to work with. And it would seem that uh, <clears throat> if if Jesus is willing and able <laughs> to to deal with that, that both within our own lives we should be willing and able to deal with that, and should be willing and able to deal with others as they approach things that are causing them to 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 doubt right. or to question. Um, with Thomas, you know, he was told that Jesus had risen and he doubted that right. so and like that's the good news you know, that's the gospel that Jesus is alive right. and it didn't it didn't help him <laughs> so he had to have an experience of Jesus right. to, to fully believe yeah. so I think that brings it back down to this like you know it's it's good the Bible's good and it, it can give us wisdom and truths but if those truths aren't actually taking some sort of flesh yeah they they don't really mean anything, yeah. and so I like you know. Think about addiction in the church, right. and you know, having worked with a lot of guys who are struggling with addiction. That's a big thing. It's a big thing of like God loves you, God forgives you, you're accepted, but then they keep going back in the same cycles. <laughs> right. So, <clears throat> does that is that truth for them? Is that truth that God loves them? If that, right. you know, we're told that that has has power, that has healing power. But most of us don't actually experience any of that healing. Right. So what do we do with that truth? Yeah. Is that helpful just to keep saying that over to someone yeah. over and over? I mean, it's not untrue, but is it is it helping them having some sort of freeing salvation experience? Right, right. And a lot of times it doesn't. Yeah. Um, so doubting allows us to say, what if there's experiences of Jesus that are outside of what I've understood and known and maybe that's where I need to go and that might be painful but it might be necessary for us to take up some of that stuff so I think a question that we were talking about and kind of got off track on that I wanted to come back to and, and maybe maybe instead we'll focus on the here and now uh, what what or I think it's whom, what or whom. Uh, I'm sure all the grammar experts, grammar Nazis can correct me, but what or whom has uh, shaped your current um, 
Well, I guess the way that you currently embrace right. doubt and certainty. Yeah, you did ask me that, and then I went off on a right. tangent. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> it's okay. That's fine. Um, yeah. So, I mean, currently, I'm... For the, well, I'd say for the last 10, 15 years, like someone like Rob Bell has been, okay. you know... And, so a heretic. Yeah. So yeah. A heretics. So you're a heretic. heretic. Okay. I'm going to read what you're saying. No longer can be friends. Yeah. Our former brother in Christ, as Trip Crosby said in that video. Um, yeah, someone like Rob Bell has helped me, you know, his books and his teachings and everything that he's created has helped me to sort of, especially the Bible, look at it in a different way. Okay. Um, right, that's his new book? Yeah, well, I mean, in general he has, but his new book, yeah, is about okay. the Bible. Okay. Um, and that's been very helpful. And, you know, that's another thing that people, you know, someone like Rob Bell or anybody who they're you know, you're kind of okay be careful about that guy right. but if someone's having like, I, you know the Bible has changed for me because of some yeah. of his work so if, if that's is that a bad thing that that's happened like and maybe some people would say yes it is if right. you're interpreting the Bible right. incorrectly wrongly right <laughs> yeah. which which really is you're interpreting it wrong based off of my interpretation right right <laughs> so they they win the thumb war I suppose yeah <laughs> So that's why it's sometimes it's just not helpful to get into those yeah. those kind of arguments because they're very circular. Um, something like Rob Bell, um, my friend Seth um, wrote a book called Fails Like Redemption. Okay. Have, we've talked about that before. Yeah. Yeah. And I think especially around the idea of addiction in the church okay. and how we tackle that and how we deal with that. He's been very influential and helpful and sort of looking at that more kind of mystical side of Christianity and um, he's helped me He's shown me different, you know, directly and indirectly different approaches right. um, and different writers and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, and th- so there, there are kind of those people who are, I would say, staples in who I read. And yeah. I, you know, it's just like bands. There's certain bands that I love. Right. Like, I'll always buy their new record or right. always want this new stuff. And then there's the kind of people who are kind of currently. Right, so, right. Um, yeah, I'm Richard Rohr, someone who I've been reading in the last, you know, year or two. Um, and again, like, you know, someone from a tradition that's not Protestant, right. very different, yeah, yeah. but, you know, Protestants love him. Right. So he's like, very kind of, you know, just that openness to something different has been helpful. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm really, I'm not really sure who else. I okay. think, yeah, I mean, I just... I'm yeah. I'm interested in like people that are exploring faith in a way that's unique and new, and I'm not afraid of that anymore. I'm not like hesitant about that. Um, yeah. If if someone if someone if I can see in someone's life that they're actually experiencing freedom and they're feeling some sort of peace and love for other people and a connection to the world and to themselves and to other people then I'm interested in what they have to say because, you know, I want that and we all want that, I think. Yeah. So it, it, so here's another thing that I was just kind of thinking about. As and if, they're, if, if they're not Christian, that's okay too. Right. Because I'm not, I, you know, I don't need to, I'm not going to abandon my Christian faith if I read right. some, right. you know, Buddhist right. teaching or something. And I think I actually, you know, one of the things that I tell my philosophy and religion students too is that you know, wherever you come down on an issue, uh, I think it, it might be 
again, if you feel you know real certain about X, right? I think it's probably just as good for you to be reading lots of books on X as it is to also be reading books on not X, right? Because right. Uh, one, there's a chance that you could be wrong, right? right? So if all you do is just dig your foxhole deeper and deeper, uh, then you know, sure, you can lob your little mortars out of that, but that's that's not really helping anyone but you, yeah. right? Or, um, or maybe you are right, and you can, I think, better uh, know your position by reading the quote-unquote opposition. Right. Or I think if if you actually are wanting to engage with somebody and engage with them in a uh, in a healthy way that is not um, that's actually going to um, promote good dialogue. I think knowing what they would actually try to be saying is, mm. is really uh, an important uh, thing as well. Yeah. Um, why do you think that? Again, maybe we've already talked about this some, but why do you think our generation, or, or maybe I should say, do you think our generation feels more comfortable in embracing doubt than maybe the generation of our parents? And if that's the case, why? Hmm. Yeah, I'm not someone who has like a finger on the pulse of millennial Christianity. So I'm not, you know, I'm not someone who's like, aware of what people on the whole think, but I, I don't know, I, I think maybe, there, for me anyway, I, I, I feel like I, I can't really speak to other people's experience except my own. Okay, that's fair. But for me, when certain beliefs and certain things aren't helping me and aren't giving me hope and giving me, like, I just don't feel alive, I just don't feel, like I feel numb or I feel just blocked somehow spiritually then it, at some point you kind of have to go well I'm doing the same things over and over and they're not helping yeah. um, I can only read the Bible more so much you know I can only pray more so much right. um, just have more faith like those things are <laughs> right. things that we've been told but they don't like for me anyway they haven't helped Yeah. so I think there's a natural doubt that just comes out of that mm. Um, what if we're more? You know, I don't know if we are more comfortable with it. Um, because I, I think I think it'd be kind of, yeah, to think that, in the last twenty thirty years, people have finally started to question things. People have been questioning the stuff. Right. Right. Since the beginning. Seems of time. like it's cyclical. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so we're you know we're in, we're in this moment right now, and it can maybe appear that this is the first time in history that people have questioned things like. Reformation was that it was right. quest- questioning, <laughs> right. and nobody cares about that, yeah. or, or nobody it, thinks that that was a bad thing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You might not have heard of the Reformation; it was kind of a big deal. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure what that is. Yeah, I think the Luther, <laughs> the guy off TV. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The detective he was somehow involved. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I don't sure that we are more comfortable. I don't think we should be comfortable with it. Um, I think that's part of what it is. It's it's not comfortable. It's painful. Um, and yeah so like the people that we are and you know that's why the Bible is helpful because you can look at the Bible and you can read those stories of people who have had exactly the same questions that we're having today 2,000 years later you know the, the culture is going to be slightly different the environment the times are obviously different but 
a lot of the questions remain the same. So we're not more comfortable, I don't think. Um, yeah, and the fact that we, that, you know, we're, we're always have debate about the Bible, we'll always have discussions about it, means that we're never going to have a pin down. Uh, which I like about it, you know. Yeah. And yeah, and I think it's just about getting to the point where you're comfortable with that. And, you know, some people might hear that and think, but then, what, like, what are you, are you just constantly questioning everything? And do you, like, surely that can't bring peace. Right. Um, and I think they're right. I think with deconstruction, there has to be reconstruction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know, I enjoy that. Well, but <laughs> it's interesting, though, why, why people way. are... So nobody, nobody would, or, or I don't think anyone would be afraid of us continuing to question in the sciences, right? Yeah. Otherwise, we, uh, the clean water we're drinking right now, we, you know, would be around. The, the technology that we're using, right, wouldn't be around yeah. if we didn't question science. I don't think anybody, uh, or maybe, maybe some people do, but you know, there's. Lots of people that are questioning, you know, in, in the world of philosophy. Right? That's how we mm. uh, are, are always making these different advances. It just seems that for again, it's probably related to my own comfortability, where I, it, you know, and maybe not me in particular, but in general, it's scary to question my Christianity, my religion, my. Uh, you know my trust of the Bible or whatever because that what does that mean right it's it's not if I question science that isn't that doesn't uh, that doesn't send me to heaven or hell right <laughs> but I think or or if I question whether I'm um, <clears throat> I don't know, I'm trying to think of something philosophical off the top of my head. I mean, I suppose perhaps questioning God's existence could could send you to heaven or hell or whatever. Right. But, you know, there's certain things in philosophy or, you know, why should I be a, uh, a firm deontological ethics rather than virtue ethics or something like that, right? We don't, we're, we're okay questioning that stuff I'm because... I understood what you said. <laughs> I'm not sure I understood what I said either. But, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm kind of duty-based or if I'm about character... Right, those things aren't necessarily going to send me to heaven or hell. Right? right, I'm sure there are many Christians who are deontologists, and there are many Christians who are virtue ethicists. But when it comes to questions specifically about our Christianity or about the gospel or whatever, again, we like it's like we shut down and we become paralyzed with fear yeah. because I think it seems that we have so much of the end game has been, or that the end result has been emphasized mm. that. Again, I, I, I'm, I'm so afraid that I'm going to get to the pearly gates and God, for God to say, I never knew you because, right. because you questioned something, right? We're so afraid that that's going to happen that I'm just going to, again, I'm going to dig my foxhole really yeah. deep and just stay there um, with, I think, and, and I think when we do that, it seems like we would abandon, one, again, the, the, the clear demonstration that Jesus was kind of comfortable with doubt i.e. doubting Thomas mm -hmm. and that or I should say e.g. doubting Thomas or that that God it, it seems like if we abandon it that we're saying that God is too small to right. handle our doubt 
Right. Uh, and again, maybe that's total, you know, crap what I'm saying, but that's at least seems to be my experience. Yeah. I think, I think like eternal life is a huge part of all of us. Um, so yeah, thinking back to your earlier questions, like growing up, that was why you became a Christian. Right. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, sure, yeah, you can help people, you can love people, but really only you're serving people so that they can become Christians and so that they can avoid going to hell and get to go to heaven right. when they die. Um, so I think, and I'm not judging that belief. Right. It's not about judging that belief, right. but it's about saying, okay, well, let's be honest and say, that has subconsciously affected a lot of right. yeah. why we believe and yeah. how we believe. You know, we don't want to go to hell. If hell exists, we don't want to go there. Right. So we're told the way to avoid that is to believe these certain right. kind of order of salvation sort of thing. Um, well, and I feel that same type of fear e- even in my life now. So again, I have a seven-year-old and, you know, I she hasn't made a profession of faith yet or mm-hmm. actually her Sunday school teacher says that she did, but I'm not convinced of that. So, <laughs> so we're just kind of going with it and we're going to see, you know, I'm probably a little bit more concerned about her demonstrating fruits of the spirit, etc. But I think, part, you know, obviously I would want her to be in heaven for eternity if, if that's actually real, you know. Right. And, uh, but sometimes I pause and, and, I, and I get frustrated with myself because, you know, if she, if she lives to be 80 and never professes faith until she's 80 and then does when she's 80, okay, yeah, sure, like I'd, I'd be happy with that. Uh, because she would, you know, potentially be able to spend eternity in heaven, but it's frustrating to me that I would care more about that and where she spends eternity. Although eternity is a long time, but the fact that she's missed out on eighty or, or now it'd be seventy-three years of being able to em- embrace the risen Christ here and be able to, um, because of what Christ has done love her neighbor well or whatever right right? and so it's just frustrating to me that i still even as i'm kind of deconstructing and reconstructing i'm still so overly focused on the end result as opposed to the here and now one of the pastors that i had in my college years you know and i think he's right about this that you know eternal when we you know become christians i guess whatever that really means uh, eternal life start, starts now, right? It's not, yeah. okay, I'm a Christian, now I have to wait till I'm dead for eternal life to start. It's that uh, my... You can, you can understand the harp right now. Right, right, and I probably should. Just wear so, yeah. So I think... Um, uh, yeah, the whole eternal life thing, I'm, I'm not really <laughs> sure how we got off onto that tangent, but but that's something that... Uh, I'm kind of struggling and frustrated with too. So. Yeah, and that's something I heard a lot growing up. Was you know, you can live a wonderful life, be serving, devote your life to sacrificing for other people, but if you don't commit to Jesus, and it doesn't matter how much good you did yeah. here, you're going to hell. Yeah. Um, and so I question those kind of things. Those are things that, you know. I've questioned, and lots of people have questioned, yeah. and I'm not unique in, right. in any way because of that. 
Um, Although if you were, you'd get a sweet book deal. Well, yeah. If, you, <laughs> if I was just like a, if, <laughs> the first guy to think that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I just, there's, you question those things, and then that's what led me to question, well, what if you can experience Jesus on earth, but not through the traditional channels right. or the traditional ways? Like, for me, that's limiting God, to say you can only believe in God right. this way. Yeah. You know, you have to have, you have to be baptized as a baby. Right. Because if you're not, then you're out. You're out, sort yeah. of thing. Um, well, it would seem that we should allow for experiences like that, anyways, because yeah. uh, I, I think we would both profess to be Christians, right? But in, in whatever conversion, yes, <laughs> yes I am. And in, in, in our respective conversion experiences, they weren't identical, right? And so, no. if we're if if and again, this is me just kind of spitballing, but if uh, if there's only, and maybe this is going to sound broader than it should be, but if there's only one specific micro way to become a Christian, then one of us isn't, right? Because <laughs> our conversion experiences are like different, that. right? And so... Um, hell's gonna be hot. I know you enjoy heat, so you should be. <laughs> I enjoy the Michigan you should be, uh, should be good. So, but you know, not that. I guess what I'm trying to say is, although I, although I would probably say that there is, I guess, one way to be a Christian. I think that way is potentially very broad, right, right? and that. Uh, if nothing else, that there are billions of Christians and each one of our conversion experiences has been somewhat different. Right. And so, uh, again, we might be able to kind of claim that kind of broad stream or, or whatever you want to call it of the conversion experience, but each one is, is somewhat different. And so I'm wondering um, if, if that's true, if that then means I should also be willing to say... Uh, that God is able to, uh, you know, save someone in a way that may seem like a strange current to me. Yeah. Right? It's still, yeah. it's still part of, it's still a current, it's yeah. still in that stream of conversion or whatever. But that it's, you know, maybe it's on the opposite side of the stream. And so yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, well, that's that's weird that you're swimming over there, right? Why aren't you swimming in this? Same current I am, but we're, we are still reaching that. We are still one reaching that end destination, and but we are all still swimming in that same stream of eternal life now. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so my, my 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 friend Seth going back to him, and um, he tells a story. Of, so he was like, a, you know, porn addict, you okay. know, fully fully blown, blown porn addict, and had this pretty dramatic healing experience in Alaska. Him and his brother did, okay. and he tells a story about someone he was talking with, and that person basically said to them, "You know that this stuff that's happening to you, it's from the devil." And so Seth is responding like, "So all this this healing, this porn addiction that's gone, this anxiety that's been with me for years is just gone. My marriage is so much better than it ever was before. That's all from the devil." And this guy was like, "Yeah," and Seth was just like. Then we're all fucked. <laughs> we're all, you know, if that, if that's from the devil, then 
just because for that guy, his experience couldn't be put in a box right. of the fate that he understood right. maybe. Right. It was dangerous. Right. Um, but, you know, at some point, like, I don't know, like, do you... <laughs> healing is healing. Right. And just because you're healing, that doesn't mean it's not from God or the Spirit right. or Jesus. Or because you're healing in some way that is not part of your current. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. 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 And then that's partly why some people, a lot of people do struggle with breaking free from, you know, I talk about addiction because that's kind of the area I've worked in a lot in, but that's probably why people struggle to break free from it is because they can't see healing outside of accountability software right. Right. or, you know, accountability groups. Right. Good things, important right. things, right. you know, but they're not the answer. Right. They're part of something bigger. So, uh, I wanted to start to wrap up, but I, but I, I wanted to, you know, we've talked a lot about doubt and why that's okay and we should be comfortable with that. But I also feel, and uh, the plan words here is purposeful, I kind of feel certain that it's okay to be certain about some things, yeah. right? So, what are some things that you think it's, or maybe just what are some things that you are certain about, or what are some things that you think it's okay to be certain about, and then, again, probably most importantly, why do you think that's the case? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say I'm certain that there's nothing that I'm completely certain about. Yeah. I think that was Socrates, right? So you just stole that from him. Did he say that? I think so. I've, I've never read yeah. Socrates, so it's a shame. that means I'm as smart as him. Because <laughs> we came up with the same thing. Um, and that's, again, that's not to say that there aren't things, like you just said. Right. But I'm just not certain of them. Like, I'm, I, I believe in Jesus. I believe he existed. Yeah. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he rose again. But I, don't, I, don't, I didn't see it happen. Right. I wasn't there. I can't... I, People have told me that it's true. I've read it in the Bible. But to, to be able to say I'm 100% certain that it happened, I can't say that. Yeah. Um, and that scares me a little bit to, <laughs> to, to say that. But I, if, I'm, if I'm doing that work and honest about it, right. that's exactly, that's where I feel, that's where I am. Right. Um, something did happen. Something I think did happen. And I believe in the accounts in the Bible. But the, you know, the, the, even the accounts in the Bible vary greatly right. from yeah. the Gospels. What yeah. actually happened? Yeah. So I, I I don't need to know exactly how it all played out. Um, I think and I think that's you know even you think something like Jesus loves me. I believe that, yeah. but I also don't believe it. <laughs> right. So I think there's part of us that believes these things. It's part of me that believes that Jesus loves me right. unconditionally. Right. And I experience that a lot. And then there's times where I really don't think Jesus loves me unconditionally, right. <laughs> and I experience that right. a lot. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I probably doesn't answer the question. Maybe that's okay. Really wanted, I mean, I, well, I, yeah, I think it, I think it does. I, 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 might, I, sound, I might sound like a cop out, and maybe it is a cop out. It is. I'm not, it, it is a cop out. <laughs> I'm not certain that it's not a cop out, um, but just currently where I'm at, where I'm at, where I'm at that's that's sort of where I. I'm finding myself. Because yeah. I, I think I, 
would probably be again swimming in that same stream where I I would say that I'm certain that uh, I'm certain that I'm not certain about a lot of things right. right and so you know trying to think about okay well, what does that mean if I if I if I say that I'm certain that I'm not certain okay well then that means certainty does exist in, in at least my belief structure and so again does that just mean I'm being you know a total uh, jack wagon and not pushing on myself right to be right. certain right. or uh you know, because then what if, if <laughs> what if I doubt that I'm certain that I'm not certain about stuff, right? So those are all questions that I haven't figured out and I'm trying to to answer for myself. Yeah. But I also think that I'm again would share a lot of those things where you know I believe that God exists. I believe that human beings are made in the image of God. Uh, I believe that. Uh, you know, I believe in this kind of uh, Trinitarian God. I believe in Christ. I believe uh, in what He, you know, did for us, uh, in the way He atoned for us. Although I think I'm not totally. I think this is maybe another topic for another discussion. But in regards to the atonement, I don't think it has to be a an either or. I think probably with the atonement, there's lots of both ands. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I struggle a lot with sin uh, and being uh, impatient and and uh, not you know loving people like I should not loving God like I should but so so I kind of feel certain right and probably have to define what does that mean by certain can does certain mean a hundred percent certainty or does certain mean uh, more plausible than not right fifty one percent does that mean I'm certain um so I feel, or I believe all those things, or I feel certain about them, but again, being willing to, I, I guess, suppose, just embrace the fact that, you know, God may not exist, or, right. or Jesus may be full of rubbish when, when he was saying what he's saying, or, uh, you know, whatever it might be. So just trying to... Uh, again, kind of think through those things. And so, again, I, I may have asked this too, but I think one final question that I'd be interested to hear is that how do you think we should relate to those who feel more certain about things than we do? Uh, and again, I, I think I already asked that, but maybe I, maybe it's worth asking again because if if so much of what we're trying to do here as people is... Uh, invest in one another and relate to one another and love one another and be in relationship with one another uh, we're not going to always be with people that share our same ideals or our same ideology or theology or whatever so Mm. when you come across someone that says Paul you're an idiot for not being certain about X, right? So I got a lot of experience <laughs> asking this question. Uh, or, or again, maybe that's you know too strong. But if they're just like, was that just your your subtle way of calling me an idiot? Y- yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> I do think you're an idiot. So, uh, but you know, Paul, why you know why why not why don't, aren't you certain about X, right? How, how how do you relate to or respond to something like that? Yeah, well, 
if, if I meet someone who is certain about something like that, part of me is like, great. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm, yeah, that's amazing. I'd love to be certain about that. So I don't, I think when I started on this kind of journey of, of, you know, being a bit more open to asking questions, I would have been like, you don't really believe that. You're, right. you're just saying you believe it. Okay. Like, that's what you're, you're just digging your heels in. Right. But bad if you really like uncovered some stuff, you'd actually realize you, you don't really believe that. Yeah. That's what, that would have been my approach until pretty recently. Yeah. Now I'm just like, okay, well that's great. Like what, what has been your experience to lead you to that place? Okay. Because I, you know, I want, I'm not, I don't want to, Dart isn't somewhere I necessarily want to be or right. stay, but I want to, I'm not afraid of it. So I'm, yeah, I'm okay with people who are certain of things and I want to hear their story. I want to hear of what has been your experience. And that, maybe that's for me, the, the whole experience thing is important. Um, and someone might say, well, I believe it because it's in the Bible. And again, you can get into a whole discussion about, oh, what makes you think that you're interpreting that correctly. Um, so sometimes I'm just like, okay, cool. That's yeah. cool. And I, 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 there's no need to kind of take it any further. Because sometimes you just, you're just hitting a brick wall what if they uh, try to take it further and they're like oh that that's uh, that's a cop out to just say oh that's cool <laughs> um, I would ask them why they need me to be certain okay I mean there is something yeah. why do they need me to be certain right. um, you know what if I'm wrong and they're right why do they care really <laughs> you know, I know, like, because they care of you, about your eternal soul right? well, I think that's, that's what they that, had said I think that's the case sometimes mm-hmm. but I think in, in other cases it's not that at all it's just they need to be right right you want to be we right are, I like to be right I like to be right rather than wrong right right right, right. so <laughs> right. okay <laughs> so um, yeah that, that's natural I think yeah to want to be right um but yeah, if someone's open to having a conversation and you know hear my story and and yeah, if, if if you're going to doubt something, by doing that you're saying I don't have all the answers. Right. So to close yourself off to someone because of some kind of prejudice, you know, isn't going to help you. So I'm I want to learn from you know everybody. Yeah. You know, try try and be in conversations or just wherever I am with other people, be present in that moment enough to, you know, let my ego move out of the way so I can sort of say, well, what can I learn from this person? Yeah. If they're saying something that, that's... Because usually when someone says a belief to me or that I, that I don't believe or I don't hold necessarily, that triggers me. So just being asking myself, well, why is that triggering me? What is it, what is it about... It's probably more about me than it is about them. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, and that's not easy. Like, it's not easy at all. It's easy to get into arguments on Twitter. It's easy to get into debates, and those are those can be helpful, but they can also be really unhelpful. So, yeah. I I want to start with myself. Like, what is what does this say about me rather than the other person, and then that allows me hopefully to be more open to other people's beliefs okay. or certainty. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for being on the inaugural podcast yeah, uh, you uh, you write some stuff and you're on the social media so do you want to tell uh, people a little bit about that 
before we uh, head out? About social media? Or, yeah. Or it's, a, it's like his platform. <laughs> it's like different type. Oh, my specific. Yes, yes, uh, your, yes. Um, your, your social media, where you write, etc. Um, I write. Uh, my website is paulrobinsonwrites.com. Okay. I think I stole that rights thing off somebody. Probably. Because I was going to do Paul Robinson Is, because I think Don Miller did that okay. for a while, so I thought it was really cool. Okay. Um, I think it was. I have that domain, but then I thought that was too much, like, Don Miller, so I changed it to Paul <laughs> Robinson Rights. But I think someone else has that. Some, some famous <laughs> right, writer. Right. So. Um, and I'm on Twitter, Paul Robinson 33 I think is my handle. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. And, okay. Um, but, but we, can we find can uh, if someone goes to paulrobinsonwrites.com they can find you yeah, they, your social media yeah you can connect to my twitter and stuff okay. in there yeah. and I'll try to put uh, I don't really know how to do show notes yet <laughs> but uh, eventually I'll uh, try to figure out how to put all that in the show and notes you'll too. have you'll have a transcript of this for the full transcript my yeah. accent yeah. yeah yeah sorry if you can't understand him uh, I regularly have to ask his wife to translate for me so yeah. we'll see how this works and then uh, you can uh, follow this podcast on Twitter at Dan Talks Pod and then uh, the website is Dan Talks Pod uh, dot com and uh, I think uh, <clears throat> on the on the intro uh, that you may or may not have listened to I said that uh, I was going to do one on reconstruction or deconstruction and reconstruction with another friend. And so obviously things got uh, switched around. Uh, I decided to do one on certainty and doubt first. So I think before we do that one, the uh, deconstruction and reconstruction one, I think the next episode is going to be on uh, philosophy with a fellow uh, philosophy uh, professor um, that I teach with. So Uh, Look forward to that. Uh, Hopefully that'll be up soon, and uh, we will see you soon. Bye.